it's really hard to evaluate yourself as a junior designer. What, what, what are the gaps you need to fill to becoming a mid-senior designer? Then I would use instruments like the career ladders that are public because otherwise it feels like you're going in the dark. It's super abstract. How do I evaluate myself? How do I know where I stand? If you don't have something external to refer to, Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Honest UX Talks. My name is Anfisa, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, Ioana. In today's episode, let's talk about transitioning from being a junior designer to a middle designer or any other next level. This topic was also submitted by one of our listeners. And I just wanted to say, people, please, if you have any questions or any struggles, do submit your topics because this helps us to understand what we should talk more about, you know, how to tackle the direction of those conversations. So we definitely want it to be as useful as possible. So if you have any ideas or any struggles you want us to discuss, make sure to submit it either in the Spotify app in the notes right after the episode, you can find the card when you can add your topic, or there is also an anonymous form that you can use and add your topic there. Now let's talk about how was our last week and then right after it, jump into the topic. So Joanna, how was your last week? My last week? Wow, I'm totally stuck now because I'm trying to like remember what has been happening for the last week. I think business as usual, mental stuff, uh, we're, we're actually organizing a new event, which I don't know, I think it's going to happen right after this episode comes up. So if you're in time for the May 5th event, we're going to be hosting at Mento Design Academy alongside Anfisa. Yay! She's wow. a wonderful <laughs> guest. Surprise, surprise. Which means that we'll actually have some sort of live podcast if you want. <laughs> it's going to be like one of our podcasts, but you'll get to ask live conversations and meet people, which is also an important part of the meetups we're hosting on Meetup. What we always do in our events is that we invite everyone to share their LinkedIn handle, to ask questions, to like connect and become friends and take screenshots, share it on social media so that maybe they can spark conversations. We try to make it as much as possible a networking opportunity as well. I've been looking into 3D design tutorials because you know that this is my new passion project. It actually helps me to unwind and it helps me to disconnect a little from the UX space but still be in a design space and feel like I'm learning something. And I just want to recommend anyone who's listening to check out Spline on YouTube because they have a bunch of new content over there, a lot of new tutorials. And I know that 3D design can feel very intimidating. It felt for me that way as well. But if you go on YouTube now, you can just start creating 3D design scenes, which is great. And it's easier than you think with the help of tutorials, obviously. So check out YouTube Spline Design. Uh, thank you, Spline, for sponsoring our conversations. Yay. <laughs> and uh, what else? Let me just think quickly if there's anything else that I might have missed. But while I think, how about you share with us how your past week went? <laughs> I just wanted to be honestly adding that I feel like Spline is a big new thing right now because I can even see it, like, for example, in our works like channel today, somebody was sharing it and saying, look, it's so cool. It's so awesome. And everybody's like, yeah, we was trying to test it out. So it seems to be like a new buzz and uh, seems like everybody needs to get into 3D design right now. I'm missing out. I should start doing this as well more. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I literally see it everywhere. Sometimes I ask people, how are you spending your weekend? And they're answering that they're learning spline and playing with spline. And then I go on TikTok and there's spline. So there's a lot of excitement about it. And I can totally understand why, because this was a field that had a very high entry bar and it was really complicated to get into 3D design. But right now they, they're basically democratizing this and they're making it easier and the entry bar is not as difficult and it's more accessible to everyone. So I can understand where all the buzz comes from. So I myself am... <laughs> Mm -hmm. So yeah, yes. that's it. How about the rest of yeah. the things that happened in your life in the past week? Yeah, I mean, it's actually nothing really new, to be very honest. I'm, I'm kind of already feeling a bit better. My last week, there nothing really new happened, mainly just full-time work, working on the content. I feel like I've overwhelmed myself with too much content these days, to be honest. Like, I feel like I'm spending as much time on content as I'm spending on my full time. It doesn't seem to be a side project anymore because somehow it happened that I was 
committed to work on the email list. I've recently published a website. I think I talked about it last time. And uh, also like the Instagram and like content collaborations that I'm planning, plus the podcast we are doing right now, right? So it does feel like you have to every day work on the next thing on the pipeline and, and kind of work on what you want to communicate. And it's just really, really a big part of my life today. Um, so yeah, I haven't figured out how to manage my time better with it, but so far so good. So that's another big part. And yes, full-time job is going pretty actively. We had a design meetup recently in Prague and uh, many people said like, oh, you're working from use. I've heard it's busy and it's right. <laughs> very, very busy. But the good thing about it is that it doesn't feel like work, to be very honest. So I'm excited about this part because in the past, there were projects when I worked on something and I felt like, oh, I don't, I'm not necessarily passionate or excited about it. And it felt like you have to do those commitments. Whereas right now, I feel like it's more of a having fun and working at the same time. Like we have a lot of, a lot of activities. We have like hackathons or we have events and all hands offline kind of events when everybody's flying from different countries and we would have like different cool activities. And it does feel like it's just like this huge conference all the time, but you're working at the same time. So it's very active. It's very busy for sure, but it is very engaging and I, I really love it. So that's how it goes. How about you? Do you want to add something? I remember. Not really. I have something that I want to share with my audience, with our listeners, but I'm going to do it in the next episode. So sure to check it out. <laughs> All right. No spoilers. No spoilers. Just okay. suspense. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> All righty then. In that case, let's just move on to the topic of today's episode, which is how to move from being a junior designer to a middle designer or to the next level. Interesting topic. I assume it could be one of the topics that most of our listeners could actually ask themselves. And to be very honest, to start from the disclosure, I will say that I have never been in those shoes. So for me, it will be like this improvisation conversation. I'm trying to imagine how it could be. But my story is actually that I've never been a junior designer or a middle designer. My first official role when I started working with enterprise companies and then with the startups uh, was right away senior designer, but just because before that I was working as a freelancer a lot, as well as founding my startup, which basically you don't have roles in those shoes. <laughs> now, when we are talking about the classic design career, you're assuming that for example, you, you took this course or bootcamp, you build your portfolio, then you're looking for junior role position, right? And then you start upwards through the career. Ioana, I want to ask you the very first question. Have you been a junior designer? And if yes, can you tell us your story? How did you move upwards through this career later? To be completely fair, I feel that I was a junior for quite a long time, but it wasn't official. So I didn't go through the official career progression from now I'm a junior designer and I'm promoted to a mid-level designer and then I'm senior. So there was no official title that I was given based on where I was in my career progression. But I felt that in, in my work that I'm doing junior work now. And then I, I started at least on a introspective, but also retrospective level. I was able to tell when things were changing. When you think about toddlers, how they have all the leaps. I feel like I can spot my leaps now looking back on my career. So I understand when I can say that my juniorship sort of ended. So no, I didn't have the official roles either, but I can go a, a little into the topic and unpack how juniorship felt for me. And maybe then we could also explore how generally juniorship is seen and uh, how you can move out of it if, if that's what you want. So in my own personal experience, what made me a junior? If, if I'm looking back and reflecting on the job I had back then, I was working in a ING bank. It was a big, big company. I was trying to handle a lot of things at the same time because suddenly all the designers left. Maybe some of our listeners know the story. It just so happened that at the point, because the market was very, very juicy and very dynamic, all the UX designers in ING Bank Romania left and I was suddenly promoted to being the only designer in ING Bank, which was a huge company with big development teams. And I was the only UX star and I was just starting out. So there was a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Obviously, a lot of opportunities for making mistakes. 
which luckily I did and I was able to learn from them. But now I'm able to like articulate them and spot what was different and what I would do differently now. So what what makes me a senior designer now and what made me a junior designer back then? So one thing is that I wasn't very good at managing relationships. So I think that the main difference between junior designers and mid and senior designers is the way they handle the ecosystem around them. So the way they handle the relationship with the product manager, the way they control and guide and own the conversation. When you're a junior designer, the conversation sort of happens or it's just like a byproduct of the work you're doing. It's rarely intentional. It's rarely controlled. People just come on to you and ask you, what do we do here? And they like shrug and, and say, okay, let's do that. I don't know. I'm not sure. And um, maybe you don't even admit that you don't know, which is something that junior designers tend to fear and avoid. But as senior designer will always say, I don't know, and I need to find out. So that's totally fine. But for me, then it was like paralyzing to say that I don't know something. So the main thing that has changed is, let's say, stakeholder management, how well I'm able to deal with others on my team, and how well I'm able to like control and, and guide the conversations and lead those conversations into the areas that are important from a design standpoint. I think this is the main difference. Other differences are like how much handholding you need. Obviously, a junior designer and a junior person in any role, in any profession, needs a lot of support and handholding. And that's absolutely natural. And that's how you learn. That's how you grow. It's not a problem. And it's not something to feel guilty or ashamed about. But it just is a difference that tends to become quite big between when you're a junior and how much handholding you need as a senior designer. So I wasn't very autonomous. I wasn't very, let's say, resourceful in solving the problem. I always had to ask other people on my team, what do I do here? What do I do now? Who do I need to talk to? Whereas today, I would just go and find out. I would just solve the problem. I don't know. I feel more resourceful. I feel more confident. That also is something that has changed. So how much handholding I need and how much support I require from others. This was another main difference. I think also, let's say, systems thinking or scale thinking as a junior designer, I was always thinking about micro decisions. And I was always thinking about my small contacts, my small box. This is where I have to put a button. What color will the button be? What will the text on the button say? And I was focusing on that and being very drawn into every micro decision that I had to make. And I wasn't really able or I didn't have the instruments. I didn't have the experience or the mental capacity to think about my product as part of a system. I wasn't able to connect the design decisions I was making to the business objectives. I didn't even know the business objectives. It was like unknown, unknown. So I had no idea that I have to talk to business and align the design with business because in my head, the user was everything. I mean, if I know what the user needs, then I solve the problem. That's it. But then I realized that it's always like an intersection, like we all see on the internet. And uh, you've also recently had a, a post about it. So definitely, I didn't have this broadness of thinking. I couldn't think at scale. I didn't really understand how my product fits and my decisions, how they fit in the overall company strategy, what the impact of my decisions will be on the product long term, mid term in the business strategy. And so I had a complete disconnect between what I was doing and what was going on around me in the company and especially at a leadership level, which is something that it has completely changed from then until today. So yeah, three things, definitely stakeholder management, more autonomy, less handholding, and absolutely understanding the system in which you work in and thinking about business metrics, thinking about the company strategy and everything when you design while obviously keeping the user at the center of everything. So I think these are some main points, but I can like go on and rant about many things that I have witnessed change in, in the way I work. And these are just like top three, top of mind. And I'm totally open to go more into details if, if you think that's a good idea. But I'm curious to hear if you have anything that came to your mind as to what mm -hmm. has changed uh, from your perspective in your own career and your role. <laughs> Yeah, I love that you framed it, that it doesn't necessarily need to be attached to the role itself, right? It doesn't mean that, okay, now I'm junior, now I'm senior, now I'm this and that. And that means right away on the bat, here is how I need to be defined in the shoes. Well, I love that you kind of referred more towards how you feel about it, how you feel your process and your 
design scale grew throughout the timeline that somehow in between those lines, you could kind of think about the patterns and think, okay, probably at that period, I was more junior and this, this period, you're more middle. I can definitely map my experience on that kind of model, I guess. And I would definitely start, and this is one of the favorite topics of us all, isn't it? I would say that I was junior for the first three years of my practice, basically from university to first time starting teaching design how crazy it sounds right <laughs> from university to teaching uh, but point is so my biggest problem was that I was a working in a vacuum because I was a freelancer at that point I wasn't able to measure myself against anybody which means I wasn't able to know if I'm, am I doing good am I am I growing am I improving am I doing the right thing and stuff like this and it kind of contributed to the huge imposter syndrome and I think now looking back, like you just did, I realized that because I wasn't able to understand what I'm doing, where I'm heading, controlling the process, knowing what I'm doing, right? That now I feel like was making me a junior because I was not in control of anything I'm doing as a designer. And it also could lead to the next syndrome, I would say, <laughs> when I tend to take orders from whoever is my stakeholder in the process. So be it wherever the PM of the project, the client in a freelance project and stuff like that. So I was not necessarily able to push back to challenge status quo, challenge orders, so to say, like tasks that you are supposed to work on. I wasn't able to really have like a deeper conversation, understanding how to lead it, asking the right questions. And kind of like every time I'm receiving the feedback or receiving the input, being able to control this input and direct it in a way that will make this project progress better. If I look back, I can definitely see that it was really deeply attached to my imposter syndrome and my lack of confidence in what I'm doing. Because I was constantly feeling that I don't know what I'm doing. To be honest, there are still moments where I'm not sure what I'm doing, but it's it's just different feelings. Like I, I at least can control the process. I can navigate it. I can articulate it. I can always find a way to communicate better with my stakeholders, et cetera, et cetera. So all those things you just mentioned. So this was one big point, right? Of imposter syndrome, taking orders. But also another thing is that I was mainly working tactically. So I guess the level of responsibility was definitely very different because I was over obsessing with the tactical details rather than being able to zoom out and look at the broader, bigger picture. Practically, it was manifested sort of in me being very nervous over obsessing about every single detail, over obsessing about like those pixel perfectionism and being absolutely bumped every time I'm not able to make it look right. And because I didn't have enough experience, I wasn't able to make it look right. I just didn't know what I'm missing. I had to spend so much more time to try out all the possible ideas to find the right solution. But obviously as a freelancer or working as a startup, I never had this time. So I was always like frustrated sort of and over obsessed with details. Now looking back, I think it's a sign of me still being very green in the career and a little bit junior-ish because I was not able to understand the impact of what I'm doing. Like I was kind of stressing too much, but in fact, that was stressing over something that is not important at all, or that would impact my productivity, my confidence, my ability to again navigate the project better and because I was not able to understand how much impact this little detail is making that means I wasn't able to prioritize the right thing so again I guess that's understanding the bigger picture and how some details are more important or over the others I was literally obsessed with everything <laughs> I guess that definitely comes with an experience and bigger responsibility when you're able to work on a bigger scale project with more responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera, when you start realizing that things you were worried about in the past just are so minor and so not important, then it's kind of funny and hilarious to think that you were so worried about them in the past. That would be my kind of few things I wanted to add to this bucket. So we discussed like our symptoms, I guess, and our signs of how we interpreted it. But let's turn the table and think about our listeners. So imagine you are a junior designer. You're still like all those symptoms we just mentioned, you're still experiencing them. What do you think are the signs that you are growing as a designer and you suddenly are not feeling you are not a junior anymore? Obviously, we tend to be sensitive and sometimes feeling and not necessarily feel strong enough about where we are in the career. But are there maybe any signs that can indicate to our listeners that they are growing as designers and maybe they are already middle designers or even 
farther more, maybe closer to the senior designers. So are there any significant signs that we can outline here so that our listeners can understand and spot them as well? I think I'm going to go through a couple of ideas that come through my mind. Definitely, this is not going to be the complete absolute list of signs. Although I do want to recommend uh, everyone who's listening to check out uh, some internet resources that kind of contain the absolute list of what you need to do to be a mid and a senior and then a principal and staff designer, whatever. Uh, there are career progressions that are made public on the internet from big companies. My favorite one is from Intercom. So if you check out Intercom's blog, they have a lot of documentation that's made public around how they promote their designers and how they organize their career ladder. And that's where you can see how a big company classifies or knows that you show the signs of, of being promoted onto the next role. So Intercom is one tip. And there's also a website that's called progression.fyi for your info. <laughs> there you will also be able to see different companies with different frameworks for their career ladders. And so there you'll get a lot of more details and deeper insights into this. But now I'm going to go into what I feel are the, the signs that you're ready for a promotion. I would say apart from everything that we mentioned, like not obsessing over details, being able to think systemically, think at the broader picture, zoom out, understand how your product goes within the company structure, being able to manage conflict, to accept criticism, to be a better collaborator with your stakeholders. And so we touched upon some of those elements. So I'm going to try to mention some new things maybe that weren't discussed. I think one of them is also challenging and improving the way things are done. So as a designer that's junior, you sort of align to whatever it is that the process at that moment. So you align to the status quo and you accept the way of working as it is. You're not capable of understanding how the process can be improved or you might be for some parts, but you, you're not able to own an overview of how things happen and how you collaborate and how you solve a particular design problem or tackle a project. So I think that a junior designer that's in their mature days is starting to be able to understand how the design process might be improved, when to use what kind of methods, so not just use methods uh, because we do it like that, because that's how it's done. So you're able to choose the right method. You're, you're able to tweak the process in a company. You're, you're able to suggest improvements, maybe even very concrete, a very tangible example would be just using the design system of a company. So you're a junior designer. And typically, if you work in a place where there is a design system, you just apply it, you just use it, and that's it. But you're a mid designer or a senior designer, or it might be a sign that you're up for that position now. When you start suggesting improvements, to that design system and you start understanding what works, what doesn't, what could be done better, uh, what are some blind spots maybe to the design system or the design language in general. So that's where you know that you're going out of your juniorship, right? So when you can spot how the process, ways of working, design system, how we can improve the way we do things in a nutshell. So that's an important sign from my perspective. Another important sign would be the way you lead the research process and and what you do with insights. So as a junior designer, I think most designers are able to produce a lot of insights from research because all you have to do is talk to users and it doesn't have to be even a very good system for talking to users. Just randomly talking to users will produce a lot of insight. But I think that mature designers are able to produce better information. So increase the level of clarity, quality, and relevance of the information that's being produced, but also be better at socializing that information, advocating it, circulating it within the company, influencing decisions based on what came out of research. So you're able to like translate everything that you find out into solutions in a much better and superior and conscious, if you want, intentional way than you can as a junior designer when things kind of feel like random at <laughs> sometimes because you don't yet understand fully what goes into making a design decision based on, on research. That's one thing. What else? Of course, all the soft skills that you develop and that they get better with time, like accepting criticism, giving feedback. Maybe you can get better at giving feedback, listening, and so on critical thinking and self-awareness is something that's definitely not the strongest skill of a junior designer because you, you don't yet know what to be self-aware about. So, okay, what, what is this self-awareness for a designer? You have to like explore the whole design space before understanding how to become self-aware. 
so that's another sign when you start feeling like you can reflect, you document your work, you reflect on what you've been doing, you're able to extract lessons and improvements and interesting ideas from the way you do your work. That's also an important sign. I've been actually working for a self-assessment checklist for our mentor students. So I do have the exercise of trying to unpack how you go from junior to, yeah. So, because we want to help them like evaluate themselves in a way. I can totally understand that you're going through a lot of abstraction, a lot of unknown, a lot of questions, a lot of new stuff. So maybe a checklist would be useful for them. So I'm currently working on that. And yeah, the last two points I want to make. So one of them is being proactive because many times junior designers, they just wait for a task to be given to them. So they wait, uh, what do we do now? They ask and then the product manager or the engineer or someone says, we need to do that. And then that, okay. But when you start being proactive and when you start influencing the roadmap, when you start coming up with things that need to be done, advocating for them, convincing other people to focus on a particular feature or a particular problem, even better, then that's where you know that you're, you've gained some maturity, right? Not just wait and be told what to work on, but influence what we are working on as a, as a team. That's one thing. And the other thing is speaking of being given tasks, I think that junior designers many times spend most of the time, if you want, in the execution space. So they do tasks, they, they solve whatever is given to them. They know they have that problem or that small task or that small uh, interaction that needs to be designed. They do it, they respond. So they're, they're reactive. Like I just said, you have to be proactive. You're reactive in the beginning, but you're not focusing on like bigger goals. I think that when, once you're able to understand the bigger goal, not just the bigger picture, the bigger picture is quite broad and it's, it's a big thing, but the goal of anything that you do. So why am I talking to this user right now? What am I trying to find out? But at, expand that to any stage of the design process, right? Why am I having this conversation with the CEO? Why are we here? And at all times, understand how whatever it is you're doing, whatever activity you're doing, how that fits into your goal and articulate those goals. It's the trickiest part. So so I think I've covered a couple of things. I could be going on for many minutes from now on, but I would say I want to listen to your perspective as well. And for anyone, again, for anyone who wants to go into a lot of detail, you can definitely visit the resources I've mentioned and maybe we can also put them in the show notes. So Anfisa, what are your thoughts? thoughts around when you can kind of say that, okay, maybe I'm ready to become a mid designer. <laughs> well, you covered a lot of things, but one thing I'm definitely still struggling to kind of help our users understand then is um, like, where do you draw the line, I guess, between junior to middle to then senior? Cause I think like there is definitely lots of like gray areas between those lines, <laughs> if it makes sense. Like I feel like there is a very strong distinction between junior, right? and then senior, but then something in between, we can define it as saying like, okay, you should be halfway there, right? <laughs> it's still not very tangible. So I, I don't have an answer by the way, but I'm just kind of rumbling around here to say that um, it is definitely harder to recognize. I think that Ioana made a very good point that it's maybe better to go into those websites and resources and look how companies try to identify and kind of specifically say what you should be able to achieve. And again, just because I haven't been in those roles uh, officially, never, <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what it takes to jump, you know, next step and stuff like that. But it also kind of depends on the company, I believe, because some companies a little bit more UX mature the science of UX mature company could be that they already defined these ladders, right? Uh, the scope of responsibilities for every single level and the levels in general, if you look into actual levels, we can also compare it to the English testing, I guess. You know, this uh, system, there is like level A, one and two, and then there is B, one and two, and then there is C, one and two, right? And like every single level, be the junior, middle or senior, might also have level one and two. And between those, you can also jump around and kind of grow. And in different companies, I assume there are different expectations as how long it takes to grow to the next level. So it is sometimes very bureaucratic process but also good companies make a good job trying to differentiate between those roles distinctively so you can actually target and make a case to grow further coming back to the points you were doing one thing we can also mention here is an ability to start helping others so for example with languages right i remember when i was learning english 
I would always ask people around to help me translate it. It worked. So I'm Ukrainian trying to translate to English. And I would ask my friends to, hey, how do you translate this word? I'm struggling to translate it. And then at some point I realized that I started helping others translating it. <laughs> so that's when I suddenly realized that I'm experienced enough, sort of. I know how to use this tool language and kind of that applies to design on my understanding because when you start seeing that you know how to help others you see how they can do it better you, you can give them constructive feedback they reach out to you for an advice uh, and you have what to say and you can notice things that could be done better that's also a great sign that uh, might indicate that you're growing as a designer and you might be already middle if not more <laughs> as a designer so um, that's something that I want to mention and i think i really liked your point about being able to be proactive and sort of being bottom up rather than top down so i feel like it's a very strong sign when originally pms maybe were coming up to you to you and saying we just need to build this feature because xyz and you're like oh, okay yeah give me like whatever one sprint i'll give you this feature rather than you know, you trying to understand what's going on in the market, doing your research, continuous research sometimes, collecting the evidence, and then making up the case and explaining why it's not the right feature to focus on at this point. Maybe we just need to address the UX depth we have been collecting. And you can also make a case explaining what are we missing out and how much money we're losing if you are not addressing those existing issues, for example. So again, proactive and being bottom up is a sign of you being more mature as a designer. And I guess also I liked your point about the processes i just wanted to add on top of that that it's really a good point to lead by example so for example i am a new designer in my company and it's, it's i think it's very good when as a newcomer you're coming with a fresh new perspective and there are established things there but you can notice that some things are maybe not as effective as you have experienced in the past you can start showing other examples not necessarily say no we're doing this thing <laughs> but more of a here is another way how we can do this and if you feel like people picking it up and starting uh, like using the same methods or the same processes uh, it might be a good sign as well because you're improving things internally so you're contributing towards general ux maturity growth and making your company more successful at the end of it to us trying to kind of differentiate between those roles. Uh, but I feel like we also need to address the topic. How do you actually jump to the next level, right? So for example, you feel like, okay, you're kind of in between like junior and senior, you've addressed some of those points we have discussed and you feel like you may be ready or at least somebody maybe tell you that you're ready or something like that. How do you start this promotion? Do you need to rely on your manager to promote you and say, you were doing a great job, so now it's time for you to be the next level? Or do you actually need to build a case for that promotion? Do you have to collect the evidence and stuff like that? So what would be your advice for people to specifically moving on to the next level? I love the question and I'm happy to share just a short intro from my own personal experience when I was transitioning into the UX role, because all the designers left all of a sudden, I was like thrown into the trenches of UX and doing a lot of work and showing up every day and doing extra hours. And it was super intensive and everything was new and everything was very, very stressful. Still, I wasn't getting the official promotion into the UX role. And I was getting frustrated by the day and I was just waiting. I was waiting for someone to say, oh my God, you're doing great. I mean, you have the hardest job in the world right now and you're doing great. You're, you're, you're nothing's burning nothing's like breaking it, it's working you're doing your ux job very well and we can officially promote you to the ux design role but nobody came to do that for me so it was very hard and very infuriating and i felt like i was being taken advantage of just because i want this job very much and and so it was a very difficult moment in my life kind of reflected in my personal life as well so i was very stressed out and very unhappy because i was waiting for someone i was right to wait because my work was valuable and visible and and clearly i was doing the work of a mid designer even though i was a junior because of the setup because there was no one i could learn from and I was 
I had to be resourceful to make things happen. So, so that was a very frustrating couple of months in my life. My, my bosses were more focused on hiring new senior designers because obviously they needed this, the talent, they needed the experience, they needed someone that I could learn from and they needed someone to help the product grow. So I, I have all the understanding for them, but at the same time, I, I was very, very upset that they weren't seeing me who was carrying the weight of being the sole UX designer in this huge company. So where this story is taking us to is actually that at some point I decided to confront them and take it upon myself to make the case, just like you said. And so I organized a meeting and I started telling them, these are all the things that I've been doing. These were all the challenges and this is how I overcame them. These are my results. Here are the, I don't know, mock-ups or whatever I had to show for myself. They already got implemented. This is the feedback from the development team. They're happy with our collaboration. Where is my UX role? Where's my title? (laughs) I want my title. And so I, I think I waited too long because that made me go into that meeting quite angry and a bit all over the place and a bit overly emotional. It was visible that I was upset. It was visible that I was having a hard time. And I don't think that's the way you should go about it. And I think the reason I made that mistake and became, of course, I wanted a job with all my heart. That's why I was emotional because it was something emotional for me. But I think that if I would have went in earlier and be more brave about asking for this promotion in the first week when I realized that I should be doing that, then I wouldn't have like accumulated so much anger and it would have been better. So the I think the lesson that I'm trying to promote here is that you need to go in and ask if, if it's not happening by itself, which is ideal. And I think that it's the manager's job to initiate the career conversation to help you grow, to help you map out your career goals and and enable you to reach those career goals, to have evaluations or whatever, to give you feedback. So I think that it should come from them because that's the role of a manager, help their employees grow. But if if that's not happening, don't wait too much. So don't just be there doing perfect work, being this perfect little student, getting all the good grades, but nobody's like applauding or, or giving them the prize they're waiting for. Go fight for it. Uh, as early as possible so you don't become resentful and emotional (laughs) so so i think it depends it depends on who's your manager it depends on the company it depends on like with everything in life it depends but i think that we should be more demanding as designers when it comes to promotions when it comes to our worth I think that there are many studies recently that I keep seeing, especially on LinkedIn, about how women in design are less inclined to ask for raises, to ask for promotions. Uh, So I think that especially women should overcome that uh, feeling that maybe they're not getting the promotion because they don't deserve it. That's probably not the case in in most cases. So yeah, confront your bosses. It's, It's very uncomfortable. Especially like for me, even today, talking about money or pay or pay rise is mm, I, I would rather like I would rather, I don't know, not show up <laughs> at work than have these conversations. But you have to have them and it's not comfortable, but it's not supposed to be. So it's just something that has to do with your self-worth and you have to make it just just be there and, and have that conversation. So whenever you feel like you deserve a promotion, make a case for it. And how do you make the case? Could be a follow-up question. What do you mean when you say make the case? So I think, I'm, I don't know if I'm speaking for Anfisa as well. Maybe we will hear her opinion about what making a case is. But I feel that making a case means gathering up evidence, right? So you're like a detective that tries to convince someone you're doing a sales pitch, if you want. So gather as much evidence as possible. Maybe even testimonials from your coworkers. Maybe you can show like if there are any UX metrics, that's super powerful. Maybe if you've solved some sort of internal team conflict, talk about that story as well. Uh, show the functionalities you've uh, helped design. Um, show, I don't know, any deliverables that you might have created, any any goals that you reached, any interesting insights that your work helped. So your impact on the product, whatever it was, even if it wasn't like obvious black and white UX metrics, maybe the impact was that, I don't know, people in your team collaborate better. That's huge talk about that as well. So just gather all all evidence and you don't have to be aggressive about it. So don't just like fill in a wall like in, in crime movies, fill in a wall with everything and tell people, hey, you should look at this and 
well, give me a prize for what I've been doing, but show up prepared and be able to articulate why it is you feel you, you deserve that promotion. But I, I hope that many of us will, will end up in positions where our manager will be the one initiating this. I think that should be the norm. And I'm really sorry that I see quite rare right now, but I think that your manager should be the one helping you grow most. <laughs> So th those are my thoughts about it and my personal experience. What's your take on it? You have covered so many things that I struggle to find more valuable points, but you're absolutely right. I feel I was, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. It was powerful and I definitely hope it will help somebody to understand their worth and that you don't have to sit and wait for sure. And maybe like being proactive, like we already mentioned, it's one of the signs that it's a good starting point to grow. Then the other thing is I totally agree with you with the fact that um, we're still in the market where some companies are already UX mature, but some are not. Especially if you're the only designer in the companies, I feel like this is the tendency where if you're the only designer and there's no intention to grow design team and you're just like being handed everything design related, even things that are not even necessarily UX related, then it's a sign that this company is not necessarily UX mature. It might be a bigger challenge that you need to be taken to trying to educate them about the fact that this company needs to grow and their culture is not UX mature and that UX can bring such a great results to the business. And if the company is working in a certain setup for a while and it works for them and they don't even understand how much they could grow better, changing those patterns could be very, very painful and big project. And not always it makes sense to do this. I'm seeing a lot of designers who are like, trying it out, but then giving up because it's a big, big challenge to grow UX maturity bottom up, especially if you're not in a leading position and kind of getting the buy-in for every single small project. That is a very draining thing to do. Yeah, that's true that uh, we still have this kind of distinction between these companies where the UX ladder is very well defined and it's clear what kind of needs or what kind of skills you have to cover in order to move forward. Uh, how you should be performing in order to move forward. And then there are companies who not only don't understand the UX maturity levels or the levels of the design seniority, uh, but also don't even value the design, right? To invest in time into creating career letters. But that's true. Like sometimes maybe if you're not seeing much progress or if you're struggling to make a case, uh, one of the obvious tips is just trying to search for a greener grass somewhere else because it's not always on you um but um but by the way talking about searching for other jobs it's not the best advice i wouldn't say that it's a must do advice but one of the tactics if you're a little bit doubting yourself about your level one of the tactics could be to try to apply to the next roles elsewhere and see if you're getting that job offer to see, okay, maybe I'm actually, this is the strict and very obvious validation that I'm a next level. I'm still here in a junior position, but those companies are already offering me the middle role. So maybe I was just like underpaid and I was not in the right place, basically. It's not that you have to do this. It's just like, if you're unsure, this could be a test for yourself. Design manager in the perfect case in a UX mature company should definitely help you defining the next steps to bridge the gap between your position here now to the next level. And yes, in some companies, you will be able to have like this clear distinction, what things you should be still kind of working on and maybe projects you should be taking on so you can grow in these missing areas. But if this is not happening, I think like what you did is the right thing to do. Build a case for yourself, collecting testimonials, collecting evidence, looking into, for example, analytics and seeing, oh, okay, I built this feature. Look, it performs so well, like showing those numbers and metrics and how it helps business growing, right? Or things like you might even notice how one of the directors or PMs in your company would always praise this whatever feature or design decisions that you have done, but it was not necessarily like announced as you were involved in this project. So it kind of misses you out. Um, and so if you're seeing that some people would always say like, oh, we have such a great dashboard or whatever you were working on. And you can notice that they always would kind of bring it up on those good example meetings. Uh, maybe that's something you can pick up and also use as your evidence of the work you're doing, how impactful it is, kind of addressing those, right? Making your voice heard. So yes, looking for those evidences, making up the case. And like you said, doing this elevator pitch, 
is something that will be inevitable in a less UX mature companies for you to grow. But if you're not seeing any results, and if in your case, Joanna, you would not see any response and people just say like, yeah, 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 well, let's try more, whatever, whatever. If you feel like you're not valued enough, I would say that's just a kind of sign for you to move on to the next companies. Especially, let's be honest, this, this the market today is very hot and there are so many design opportunities, especially for the last, I don't know, half a year or so after the COVID break that sometimes it makes more sense. It's, it's faster and it's easier for you to start growing in a better setup as a designer. So yeah, that would be my last point. Anything you would love to add here? I think we covered a lot of things. I just want to applaud the idea that sometimes you just need to leave. So I, I had a recent conversation with one of the UX goodies followers that reached out to me with a message about how they feel like they kind of reached a glass ceiling within their company because they don't have a mid designer role and defined and what is she supposed to do and everything. And it really felt by reading her story that the best idea was to start looking outside her company. So, and we all know about the immense difference in pay when you switch from one company to another you get 20 percent more 30 percent more while within your company that most of the times it's not possible i think there are many benefits to kind of switching companies even apart from another industry another type of company so get, gaining new experiences but also in terms of your career ladder i think you could use that to your advantage at some points in your career if you don't feel appreciate it where you are. So with this uh, important, empowering message that we both outlined for, for our listener, let's jump into the top three findings. Let's move on to the next section in our episode and uh, talk about our key top three takeaways. One of the main takeaways I have had today was to looking for those signs that might indicate that you are already strong enough to grow to the next level and those small signs could be the fact that you're more confident about what you're doing you can zoom out and see a bigger picture uh you can be more proactive more bottom up and kind of suggesting the initiatives you should be working on as a designer and understanding the impact of what you're doing and things like this so when you realize you are checking the boxes on some of those things it's maybe a good start for you to plan your growth in the next level. The second takeaway is that you need to recognize what's going on in your company, whether you have like a documented list of things that you need to match in order to go to the next level, which is middle or more. So you either address those and prepare evidence, or if it is not so well documented in your company, in that case, you have to create your case yourself. So DUI, <laughs> you have to put together the list of evidence, looking for what the stakeholders are usually bringing up as a good example or being proud of as a part of their product, or looking into analytics, or even just collecting testimonials from collaborating with your teammates. So for example, if you have every half a year some sort of touch points where they would submit a feedback about collaborating with you, and then you can use this as evidence um, that you've been a great collaborator and together with others, you can achieve better things. I guess my third point would be also to not be afraid to leave if you feel like your work is not being valid, your contribution is not being realized. Sometimes you just have to talk to other companies to realize that maybe you were doing much more than you've been paid for. Again, this is not necessarily a great tip, but I feel like there are moments when your contribution could be taken advantage of. Like, like you and also mentioned that sometimes females tend to not being so confident to confront and say, hey, well, I think I deserve the next level. If you finally started confronting and you're not seeing any feedback or any action taken based on what you've been working and achieving in this company, that's a good sign for you to start looking out. I guess that's my three takeaways. Anything you would love to add here, Joanna? I will try to add three takeaways myself. I think number one is that it's really hard to evaluate yourself as a junior designer. It's actually hard to evaluate yourself as a senior designer when you have all the instruments and a lot of experience and you sort of understand what goes into design and the design role and a career ladder and you know all the things. Of course, you can never be objective. You can use a checklist, but it's not just taking things off a checklist, obviously. There are so many things to be taken into account when you think about yourself. But if you're in the exercise of trying to understand whether you're ready to move out of juniorship, what, what, what are the gaps you need to fill or the, the blind spots to becoming a mid-senior designer, then I would use instruments like the career ladders that are public, 
go check them out. Links are in the show notes. And definitely that that will be valuable because otherwise it feels like you're going in the dark. Uh, like it's super abstract. How do I build a case? How do I evaluate myself? How do I know where I stand? It's really hard to like, if you don't have something external to refer to, it's really hard. And it will all come down to how you view yourself and the world. And it has a lot to do with your own self-esteem. So I've seen many brilliant designers feeling like they're like, crap like their work is crap and they're not good designers and so on and i've seen mediocre designers who had the best absolute best opinion of, of them and and their work so it has to do with your personality as well that's why you try to make this exercise as objective as possible and to be objective use instruments use external data external references document your work reflect back on your work so try to put everything outside of yourself because if you leave it on your own interpretation it, it will have to do with how you view yourself in general and it can it can be way too subjective so you'll never see yourself as a senior designer if that's your personality that's one thing. I think the other thing would be, again, we've mentioned it, both of us, it's really important to be in a company that helps you grow. Uh, if, if it doesn't happen in your company naturally, go ask for it without any sort of uh, reluctance or fear, or it, it's really your right. And, and if you're doing good work, it, you're worth it. So definitely go ask for it. And if it's still not happening, if you're feeling ghosted, if you're feeling ignored, if you're not feeling supported, then that, that's your call that to move from juniorship to mid and senior, you need to move out of your company. Uh, so that's one thing to keep into account. And the third thing would be if, if I were to choose like one thing that separates juniors from seniors is autonomy and collaboration. So as long as you can, there are two things. <laughs> I said one thing, but there are actually two things. So as long as you're able to uh, work without your hand being held and to be autonomous and proactive and, and not need a lot of support, and as long as you're able to have collaborations that are productive as much as possible, you have a good way of overcoming conflict, of managing stuff stakeholders and relationships that those are the two main telltales that you're ready to move into a more senior role. So I think that's my takeaway. And with that, I think, I think we had a pretty good conversation today, right? You mainly was driven it. So yes, I agree. It was great. I, I, I kind of made a lot of notes. I, I said so many smart things today. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no. that's the way i just want to say a small story i don't know if anybody has anything to do with it i think it's like a, a joke that my mom told me so it's like two people meet at a party and one person talks all the time and 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 the other person doesn't get the chance to say anything and then the person who talked at the end said wow you're a wonderful person to talk to <laughs> so it's just when you when you're allowed to speak and it's just it's a good feeling. <laughs> so thank you, Anfisa, for giving me the opportunity to talk so much today. It was great. I'm sure it was also valuable for many of our listeners. And if you feel so too, just feel free to rate us on any podcast uh, of your choice, Spotify, Apple, any other podcast. We're kind of, I think we're there already in any other platform. So yes, we would really appreciate your rating and support. And um, just to repeat again, if you have any questions you want us to tackle on the next episode, you can find the questions you can submit under the Spotify episodes, or you can just find an anonymous link under the show notes with all the recipes we have mentioned today, and then submit your next topic there. And that would be it from our side. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.